And today, we come to Psalm 32. And uh, I would like to share some pastoral thoughts and ideas to you, uh, with you, um, to help help us um, to help us live the spiritual life, to live to live the life that God would have for us, to live the contented life, the happy life. Um, let me start by saying this: I've heard of students of Dr. Sinclair Ferguson. Um, even this week, I heard from one of his students say this: you know, the best part of his classes were the beginning five minutes or ten minutes when he would simply pray before he did a lick of teaching. And I was one of his students more than 20 years ago, and I often thought, you know, I wish I would just tape the prayer part and listen to it over and over again because it was filled with relationship to God. In my own life, a man named Paul Settle, who I've mentioned many times, he was one of the founders of our denomination. Listen to this. Um, as a young man who was being trained under him right here in Dallas some 20 years ago, I took note that in almost every single prayer he prayed in private with just myself or a couple of us or in a worship service, he would not forget to include these words. Father, forgive me of my sins. Or, Father, forgive us our sins. In every prayer. And I would think to myself, do you really need to say that every single time? I mean, you of all people, Pastor Paul, are, are an example of godliness. Do you really need to? And one time I asked him that and he said, absolutely. Every time. I had a friend in seminary who was an Old Testament student. He was several years ahead of me and uh, he had triplets. And he told us this story about teaching his kids about the Gospel and kind of, even at a young age on the bed, talking about what the Gospel is and how we need forgiveness. And so he's kind of walking them through how to accept Jesus. And we began talking about sin and said, you know, are you ready to pray? And, and they said yes. And they started going through this little simple childlike prayer until Mike got to the part where he said, and please take away our sins. And he got through the end of the prayer and he looked at the boys and two of them were fine and one was just really upset and crying. And he said, what's wrong? Don't you want to accept Jesus? He said, yeah. So what's wrong? He said, well, but I don't want Him to take away my sins. I like my sins. <laughs> he really thought he was going to lose something, you know, and he prayed and please take away our sins as if He was going to be worse off. We are not going to be worse off. We need the Lord to take away our sins. We need to daily repent of our sins. So would you pray with me as we look at Psalm 32 for a few minutes. Father, we ask that You will bless us during these few minutes. My prayer for my own heart and even my own little ones in this room and every single heart here is that you would give us eyes to see your son Jesus who is the forgiver who is the redeemer who is the savior and it is in his precious name we pray amen psalm 32 
is in many ways the gateway or explains the gateway to be happy. You want to be happy, don't you? We all do. And we kind of go about it in many, many different ways. Sometimes we think it's with a better job or with a with the right relationship, the right spouse, the, the right house, the right, all those kind of things, right? But Psalm 32 is um, a psalm that shows us the gateway to happiness. And that's a phrase that I want you to keep in your mind today. The gateway to ultimate and true and genuine happiness. And do you know what that is? I'll say it right off the bat in case I forget to say it over and over again during this sermon. It's to be truly forgiven. It's to be forgiven by the one who does the forgiving. The ultimate forgiving. It is to be perfectly happy and satisfied. And that's what that word means. You notice it gives like that beatitude structure again in Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression Transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That means, oh, happy is the one who can have ultimate peace, shalom, ultimate fulfillment, ultimate satisfaction. And that only comes from God, friends. You need to confess your sins regularly, daily, moment by moment, all the days of our lives because we are sinful. We are sinful beings who are created by a holy God. Um, I've heard uh, Psalm 32 um, was written on the walls of St. Augustine's little room. It was engraved on the walls. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2 especially, so that every time he woke up, he would wake up seeing that assurance that happy is the one whose sins are covered and who is forgiven. Um, The Apostle Paul uh, quotes the opening Beatitudes of Psalm 32, this double Beatitude, um, in Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, as a explanation of the justification of grace, of God's forgiveness through His grace. And so Psalm 32 has an important place in church history. That's one reason I mentioned that. It begins with this double beatitude, but before I go into it, I want to tell you that it's also... Um, considered one of the penitential psalms, the psalms of penance, and those are Psalm 6, Psalm 38, Psalm 51, Psalm 102, Psalm 130, and Psalm 143. And it's primarily because of verses 3 to 6, which Cheryl read. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away though my gro- through my groaning all day long. And it's considered the second of the seven penitential psalms. But in looking at it again, and you probably have over the years, if you love the psalms the way I do, and you keep reading them many, many times over your life, or maybe it's the first time, it's also a modified psalm of thanksgiving. So you hear what I said. It's not just a psalm of 
penance like Psalm 51, where it's all confession or all aimed at 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 bearing our souls to God and and telling God, I am truly sinful. I'm not going to hide it anymore. But it's really also a psalm of thanksgiving um, because of what God does what through the life of the psalmist. You know, verses, I'm going to show, give you the breakdown, but in 3 to 7, he has a personal experience that he shares with us. His testimony, his experience with sin and God, and his, his experience with confession. And then there's an, uh, a small section of divine instruction. And then finally, a, a summons to pray. So let me give you this breakdown. Verses 1 and 2. This opening double beatitude, blessed is, right? And then three to seven, the recollection of the psalmist's experience, his testimony. Verses eight to ten, sort of a priestly instruction that comes, the voice changes, the subject changes. If you're looking at how the psalmist is speaking, it's priestly divine instruction. And finally, a call, a trifold summons to praise. So I wanted to kind of look at those things somewhat quickly with you. And the setting for a psalm of thanksgiving is always the worship place, the worship center. I want you to keep that in mind. We have several psalms of thanksgiving, and usually when the psalmist talks or teaches or gives us a psalm of thanksgiving, it's in the context of the worship center. And so when David is talking here, the psalmist is talking here, he is certainly speaking to God, but he's also speaking to fellow worshipers. He's also speaking to those who are in the congregation, in the worship center with him, as if to say, you need to hear this, and you need to do this, because you also need to confess. You also need to fear the Lord. I also want you to worship as I am worshiping. So it's speaking to God, certainly speaking to His own heart, and speaking to fellow worshipers. So it's a setting of the worship center. I gave you the breakdown, so let me just begin in the minutes that we have to go through quickly these little sections. The first part is the opening double beatitude. And... Look look at these verses with me. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Um, Do you see that what he is saying is you want to be truly blessed? You want to have real fulfillment in your life? Then you need to recognize who you are Recognize what you need and how to find it. And that's in the forgiveness of God. That is the gateway to real happiness, as I said. Notice several things. He says it's the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, and the one against whom the Lord counts No iniquity. Do you notice the different terms? There's a repetition of synonyms or various terms for forgiveness and wrongdoing that are important to notice here. They're repeated. Also, if you look at this psalm, you'll see a lot of connection between verse 1 
and verse 5, meaning a repetition of those words. Listen to verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So do you see again, multiple synonymous words for wrongdoing, wrong action, sin, but also the forgiveness, the covering. Look at those words. Whose transgression is forgiven. In other translations, it says, whose rebellions are born by God. Whose rebellious actions are born by God. Whose sin is covered over. And Thirdly, in verse 2, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. It's almost a declaratory statement and says, blessed and happy is the one of whom God does not say you're guilty. God is not imputing sin to you. You're innocent. That repetition of these terms is really important to notice. And I don't want to take up too much time on that, but what those synonyms do for us as you read it again and again is hopefully it will allow you to see the pervasiveness of what sin is. Let me say that again. The reason he's giving us several words is so that it will cover various areas of sin doing. And show us the pervasiveness of our sin. You know why I say that? It's because we don't take sin very seriously anymore, do we? We don't want to do that. We minimize everything that we do. We don't like to talk about sin. In fact, in this sermon prep this week, I was challenged again in thinking, are we a church that talks enough about our sin? Are we really content talking a lot about grace? That's easier to preach on. And we should be talking about grace, but you cannot preach grace without understanding the misery and depth of your sin. Do you agree with me? You have to understand who we are. That we are self-deluding people. By the way, self-deception is one of the worst things that we can do in regard to our standing with God and with one another. As if to say, oh, I'm okay. I'm not as bad as that person. I'm better than most. I'm above the average mark. Right? No. Really, what's going on here is the psalmist is helping us see the pervasiveness of sin. Look, it's a transgression. It's rebellion. It is sin. It's missing the mark of God's perfect holiness. When I was teaching the communicants class, kiddos who were in my class, you might remember this. Sin is that bow and arrow shooting at that bullseye and missing it. Because God is perfect. And God is holy. And He demands holiness from us. You remember when Moses said, I want to see you, and God said, you don't know what you're asking. Because you're a sinner and I am holy and you will die if you see me. And so he hid him 
in the cleft in the rock so he could not see God's holiness. And he passed in front of him. Listen, sin is any missing of the perfect mark of God. So which one of us can hit the mark every single time? None of us. And that is why the Scripture tells us all of us have gone astray. And we are all sinners under a holy God. In verse 2, Blessed is a man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. The Lord does not hold our sins against us. He is, in fact, declaring us the opposite. He is declaring us innocent because our sins are covered and because of what we have in Christ. Let me look at this testimony. Verses 3-7 to is a personal experience and a personal testimony of, of, of the psalmist. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like someone who is reluctant to, to confess anything to his God. The one who wants to hide things under the rug. The one who does not want to own up or be truthful or be honest. You know, Eric had as our theme slide for the Psalm series, being honest with God. Well, when you are not honest with God, you're silent. And you hide things. And you act as if you're better than what you really are. We're frauds. We're actually unholy sinners. And yet, we do not come to the Lord or to one another and confess our sins. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. That sounds like a a physical thing, isn't it? He is kind of stuck. He's immobilized because of his sin and and not confessing it, keeping it in his heart. He's, He's holding it all in and it's too much for him. Have you had those days? You know, when you've done something, you've said something, and it's just weighing on you, and you just can't sleep because you know it's not right. you got to fix it. You have to go to your spouse, or go to that friend, or go to whoever it is. Or maybe just go to the Lord and say, Lord, no one saw this, but you saw it, and I'm not confessing it to you. And it becomes that kind of immobilization. My bones wasted away. I'm groaning all day long. Day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Is that your experience? Listen, there's one way to be free of all that burden. And that's to come to the Lord who is waiting for you with a loving Father's heart and says, come to Me and confess and be honest with Me and I will forgive you fully and I will take you to be My child. That is the kind of God we have. Not a, uh, not a mean dictator type of God, but a loving Father. Look at verse 5. Part of His testimony, I acknowledge My sin to you And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, it's 
that chiasm structure, chiastic structure that Pastor Jeff was talking about is common in the Psalms. Sin, iniquity, transgression, transgression, and then again, iniquity, sin. It's all the various ways that we are sinners before our holy God. And then he says, in contrast to that immobilized state, he says, I acknowledge. I did not cover. I confessed. I said I will confess. And then you see the answer and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Do you realize that most of us hold back from the Lord? Because we think we've gone too far. Because we think God surely can't forgive that one. Or no, that's a little too much. And you're hesitant. You're hesitant to come back to the Lord, into His presence, into the presence of God's people, to enter into prayer, private or corporate, and we hold back. Do you notice how immediate and willing the forgiveness of God is here? And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. As soon as I acknowledge my sin to you. Do you see the contrast between I kept silent all day long and now I said I will confess? There's a difference. You can live two ways. You can live hiding as an imposter through the Christian life, pretending you're okay, like you've got it all together, or you can own up and say, I'm totally messed up. I don't have it together. Every day is a challenge. But I know I'm with the Lord. I know He has me and I know He's going to help me. He's going to see me through. He's going to give me guidance. He's going to give me wisdom. We're going to come to that for a moment. But do you see in this testimony of the psalmist how... The Lord forgives the iniquity of our sins. The pervasiveness of sin is great, but the comprehensiveness of His forgiveness is also great. My pastor in New York has a famous saying which many, many of you have probably heard. Pastor Tim, please continue to pray for him. He's a man who's made a big impact in my life and many people in our denomination and he's still struggling to, to even live these days. And the Lord is continuing to help him. But one of the things Pastor Tim always used to share is, um, and I know my brother Greg has heard this a hundred million times as well, is it's, it's, behold, you're actually worse than you think you are. You think you're bad? Well, you're worse than you think you are. But take heart. You're more forgiven and love than you can even dare to imagine or hope for. That's the Gospel. So don't hold back. Confess whatever it is. Some of you have hidden things right now. Some of you have things in your life right now that you need to confess to the Lord that's holding you back from a right relationship and let me use the word, from being really happy from having a fulfilled life, from being satisfied, from being able to say, I actually don't need anything else. I'm good because the Lord and I are good. Even if finances aren't great or health isn't great, you can actually say the most important thing in my life is great and everything else is secondary. Secondary. 
And I'm good. I'm satisfied. I'm happy. Can you say that? Or are you holding back? Let me quickly run through 6 and 7. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you, you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach Him. This is, this is the psalmist speaking to fellow worshipers. Listen, the day is today. Go to the Lord while He may be found. Let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. If you're hearing my voice today, right now, today, and you know that you have things that you need to confess... Maybe to a fellow brother or sister. Maybe to a family member. And most importantly, to the Lord. Let everyone who is godly offer prayer at a time when you may be found. The Lord is merciful and loving. You don't have to be scared. He will accept you and He will forgive you if you come to Him with a sincere heart and understanding what He is asking of us. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach Him. What does that mean? Well, God is a holy God and the tidal wave of His holiness is coming. There is a judgment because He is a holy God and we are sinners. But they shall not reach the one who goes to the Lord in prayer. Verse 7 is sort of a confession, a profession of faith. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. You see the difference here? So earlier, he's wasting away. He's drying up, right? He's keeping silent. His bones are wasting away. And here on the other hand, in this profession of faith, he's saying, you are my security. You are my hiding place. You're my shelter. You preserve me from trouble and you shout me with, you surround me with shouts of deliverance. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? Do you want to be surrounded by the shouts of God's promises to you? You're mine. I love you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to see you to the end. I'm going to provide for you. Surrounded with shouts of deliverance, He will preserve you from trouble. Let me, let me say this here in, in a pastoral way for a moment. Listen, it's not just that God does not hold you accountable for your sins. It's, it's not just what we have here to, to give thanks to Him, the reason to give thanks to Him. It's not just that, oh, okay, so He's not going to hold these sins against me, these iniquities against me. It's what He actually does for you. He cares for you and provides a shelter for you. He is not, not just against you, but He is for you. Isn't that good? He's not just neutral out there. He is for you, my friends. Every single one of you in your lives, with all the craziness going on in your lives, the Lord is for you when you come to Him. Surrounding you with shouts of deliverance. That's what we need. In this next little section, verses 8-10, to 10, it's, a, it, it's kind of a little priestly set of instructions. And... The Lord is speaking and He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with My eye upon you. 
You know what the Lord is saying? Not only am I going to forgive you if you come to Me in confession, but I am going to protect you because you're going to be within the shelter, but I'm also going to give you daily counsel and instruction. When I graduated from high school, the pastor of my little church in Philadelphia called me on the day that I was graduating from high school, and he said, I have a verse for you. And he said, go get your Bible. Turn to Psalm 32. It's verse 8. And he said, I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. Mark it, write it down. I'm giving you this verse today, Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Brothers and sisters, listen. You're not left alone. You're not abandoned. You're not orphaned. He is guiding you every step of the way with every decision you have to make. He has His eye upon you. Isn't that good? The Lord has His eye upon you and counsels you on how to direct your life. You don't have to guess. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to feel completely on, on your own to make all the decisions of life. The Lord is going to not only forgive us and protect us, but direct us. And then He gives us example. Don't be like the horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Have you ever seen a donkey? A friend of mine has a donkey. She was like, like about to give birth, but would not come into the shelter. This poor lady tried to get this donkey into the shade, into the shelter, but that donkey would not move, dug its heels in and was stubborn and would just stay there in the heat of the summer while this friend of mine was saying, look, look, there's shade right there, there's water right there. But for whatever reason, she felt threatened and was so stubborn she wouldn't. Listen, is that what you're like with the Lord? I've got this. I have it under control. I know what to do. I'm good. I'm not giving in. I want to hold power. I want to hold control. Many times that's what we are like. And the psalmist reminds us that's not the way of the covenant children. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts the Lord. Listen, it ends with this trifold summons to praise. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Do you know why you can give praise to the Lord today? Do you know why you can be content? you know why you can be satisfied? You know why life can go on and you can sleep at night? Because you're forgiven. Because the most important thing that matters is restored, and that is a relationship with your Creator. You're good with God. And you have owned up and you have laid bare your iniquities and the Lord has covered over them. And He says, I've got you. As a mother hen keeps its little chicks, I've got you under my wings. I will protect you. I am your hiding place. But more than that, I will guide you and direct you all the days of your life. Do not fear. Even if you go through hard things, I will direct your steps. 
Is that you? The answer is Christ. Jesus is the one through His sacrificial death that allowed that permanent covering. Not just the covering that the Jews had, which was once a year, but the perfect covering, the all-time, once and for all covering so that you can be happy. My brothers and sisters, this is what I want for you. Listen, I'm going to end with one of my favorite, favorite quotes. I actually did not know, uh, did not remember that Eric had picked Amazing Grace for today. But I want to share this quote with you from John Newton, the author of that wonderful hymn. Listen to this as an encouragement. I am not what I ought to be. Ah, how imperfect and deficient. I am not what I wish to be. I abhor what is evil, and I would cleave to what is good. I am not what I hope to be. Soon, soon shall I put off mortality, and with mortality all sin and imperfection. Yet though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor what I hope to be, I can truly say, I am not what I once was. A slave to sin and Satan, and I can heartily join with the apostle and acknowledge, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Be forgiven. Come today. Confess your sins. And He will forgive you of your sins. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this passage, which is just a, a reminder to us of the delight and joy that we can have. Oh, happy! is the man and woman whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins and iniquities are covered. Lord, we give You thanks. We ask that You would give us hearts of repentance to come before You and to lay our sins before You so that You may cover us with the robe of righteousness of Your Son. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.